destroying the media lies, and dismantling the narratives, one story at a time. It's the Adrian Slade Show Quick Rant. Tuesday night, Iran lobbed tons of ballistic missiles into Iraqi military bases that housed American citizens, American servicemen. And that was a response to us eliminating the number two person in the terrorist wing of Iran's military group, uh, the Quds Force, which is the overseeing force of Hamas and Hezbollah, and that being Qasem Soleimani, who we're going to talk about this week in depth on the full-length podcast. But on the quick rant, I just had a couple things that I thought were really interesting when you start to line things up. Because these missile attacks were fruitless. They didn't hit anything. They did some damage on the base, but they didn't take out any service members. They didn't take out any even Iraqi military men. They hit nothing. But it was a response. And it makes me go back to a theory that I have. If you think about, if you know about what happened with the spying incident with the Obama administration and the bureaucratic uh, wings of the executive branch, uh, the Justice Department, the FBI, the DOJ, of course, is the, the Justice Department, the NSA, the CIA, which Obama, through the CIA, through James uh, you know, Brennan, or through John Brennan, had information laundered that couldn't make it into a, a foreign intelligence uh, surveillance court, the FISA court. So they sent it through Christopher Steele, who had a past history of, you know, he's the uh, British agent. He's the British CIA version of the MI6. They had him go to the FISA court because he had a past and he had a lengthy resume and relationship with the FISA court to provide the same intelligence, which was all made up garbage, to actually enact the FISA application, to which the uh, FBI, you know, those, uh, the DNI and everybody else jumped in on and allowed to be issued and allowed to be renewed on faulty information. So they did this so that they can spy on members of the Trump administration. They went after Carter Page, George Papadopoulos. They spied on their communications, because if you spy on their communications, that opens the door to spy on other communications that are responding to those communications. They call that the two-hop rule. And then they can go around and surveil just about everybody. And they did this because they were worried about the Iran deal. That's the crux of it all. And Trump coming in, they knew an American first policy would be a threat to the Iran deal. It was a threat to the uh, TPP, the, the trade partnership that they wanted to make in Asia that would have emboldened uh, China and North Korea. To which Trump said, nah, we're done with that. With, to his credit, thank God. Same thing with the Iran deal. The Iran deal was supposed to push Iran away from doing a nuclear program for a number of years in return for inspections that they would inspect themselves. I mean, it was a really crappy deal. And it really, for those who looked at it, it really would have been Iran creating a nuclear program under the guise of not creating one to which, you know, now that this whole issue between Trump's administration and Iran with uh, American forces, they're now saying, well, because you killed our, 
number uh, number one in command of the Quds Force, but number two under the Ayatollah, uh, we're going to not follow the Iran deal, which they weren't even following anyway. So I don't know what the point of, of that was. So it comes down to the point that the Obama administration and members of our our Justice Department under the executive branch had some sort of deep ties with Iran. The country that was saying death to America. Obama is sending pallets of cash because they couldn't send actual uh, notes or, or what have you to Iran because that would be illegal. So he just found a workaround. Yeah, we'll just send it to you under the limits and we'll put them on pallets of cash. And here you go, Ayatollah. And many in Iran thought, oh, wow, they're sending us the pallets of cash. Our economy will be injected with this money and we can start to move our country forward. Nope. They spent all that money on more of the Quds forces. And those people who are in Iran are now starving and the economy didn't get any sort of injection and they're out there protesting, but our, milita- our, our media doesn't want to cover any of the protests that are actually happening. You have to dig deep to find those things. But it made me think, if there is a relationship with Iran that deep, with the Obama administration, with uh, the members of the FBI and the CIA, the DOJ, what would happen if Trump did get into the White House? Which he did, obviously. Well... If you wanted to, you know, domestically, they're, they're really attacking him on, you know, they did the Russian collusion with the Mueller report, which was fruitless. It didn't do anything. Then they came through with, we're going to impeach him over a Ukrainian phone call. Nothing happened there except for a partisan impeachment vote, which had bipartisan uh, support to knock it down for articles of impeachment that they will not send over to the Senate. So technically, he's not really impeached yet. Just looks good on paper, looks good for the media, looks good for the squirrel that the squirrel distraction that they want to put out there because that's how they operate. They operate on media narratives. Create the Jesse Smollett noose around the neck, the MAGA hat beating on the news, on the on the headlines, even though it's not happening behind the scenes. You know, create the the Brett Kavanaugh rape gangbang trains in the in the dorm rooms. But that's not really happening behind the scenes. It's all painted in the news. Oh, he's impeached, but not really. So they're doing domestic attacks to affect re-election chances. And their bench is horrible. I mean, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders had a heart attack. Elizabeth Warren's a serial liar. Julian Castro's out. Uh, Cory Booker, I don't even know what he's doing these days. I think, I don't who even knows? Uh, most of the people that were any threat, such as Tulsi Gabbard, to the establishment, they're out. So there, there really isn't a bench of hardline individuals. I mean, Joe Biden's out there. He's got issues with Ukraine and his son, but yet his eyes popping out or, or you know, his eyes turning red. His dentures are popping out. He doesn't even know what state he's in. He doesn't even know that it was Iraq that they actually voted to push our troops out, not Iran. But that's what they're dealing with on the domestic front. But would it be, I mean, these are all questions. I don't have any definitive answers. I'm just thinking out loud. Would it be questionable to wonder if the relationships that the Obama administration and all those individuals had, would it be a stretch to think, hey, um, 
if they really wanted to affect a Trump re-election, why don't we contact Iran and get them to bait the Trump administration into a conflict? Because Trump ran on bringing all the troops home, getting out of Iraq, getting out of foreign countries. How about we make him turn into a liar and a warmonger? Because they know Trump is going to respond. He's already said so. Now, what they don't understand, something I'm starting to notice with this guy, is that the response isn't going to be as, as obvious as you think it would be. And the Soleimani thing was a prime example. But if you think about it, Iran knocked down a drone, waited for a response, no response. And then we go through and start pinpricking Iranian bases in Syria because of an American contractor being killed. They come and start to attack our embassy like Benghazi. And we actually provided support. And on top of providing support, we ended up having munitions on site and those who are effective with operating the munitions to defend the embassy to the point where all those coming to attack the embassy said, now nah, we're good. And they backed off, unlike Benghazi. And that's when Soleimani shows up at the airport and we take him out. Unexpected. It wasn't the obvious response that Iran thought. And so Iran, to save face, but also to bait another response, lobbed a bunch of missiles into Iraqi uh, bases that mil American military members are housed on. And I think what they were thinking is, let's show a response, but let's also get him so angry that he'll lash out. And then we can say, see, he wants to go to war. He wants World War III, to which the left is all freaking out. The media is doing eulogies and, and lamenting the death of Soleimani and worried that we're going to go to war. And millennials are crashing the selective service sites because they are afraid they're going to get drafted. It makes you wonder if Obama's crew and the bureaucratic allies in Iran within our government were urging Iran to push for this. I mean, if Iran has had its claws in the United States as deep as it's had over the last 10 years, pushing Trump to be seen as a warmonger with the bullhorn of the fake news media on every front behind him, it would be something they can use to sway public opinion. Am I wrong? I mean, does anyone really put it past people with Iranian ties, such as John Brennan? CIA director, Peter Stroke, who was a part of the CIA and the FBI. Big League Politics had this. Peter Stroke grew up in Iran, worked as Obama and Brennan, John Brennan, the CIA director's envoy to the Iranian regime. Peter Stroke's, this is from a former co-worker of Stroke, Stroke's extensive background in the intelligence community, including the fact that he grew up in Iran Many intelligence officers like Stroke are complete ghosts with questionable histories and gaps in their life story. Peter Stroke was born in the late 1960s. He attended the American school in Iran up until 1978 when it was closed down. And then he attended the American school in Saudi Arabia. He supposedly attended a Catholic school, St. John's Prep in Minneapolis, and then completed a bachelor's at Georgetown and some form of graduate degree after that. The truth is that Peter Stroke III turned 18. His life was arcane, which is the usual story of many like him. Did you know that Peter Stroke II, Stroke's father, and Hillary Clinton have a lot in common? Turns out after advocating for the Ayatollah Khomeini in Iran and then working in Saudi Arabia to calm the waters 
of an Iranian government appeasing them with anti-Semitic rhetoric, Peter Strzok's father, Strzok II, also dabbled in charity work. Strzok's father was involved in a so-called charity work in Haiti, but also helped dismantle and reassemble Upper Volta, now known as Burkina Faso. Despite deep state efforts to scrub information, the Internet is forever. You can see a very controversial happening in the early 80s. Peter Stroke's father, also known as Peter Stroke Sr., was an employee of the Catholic Relief Services and was interviewed in the New York Times in 1985 over his testimony of statements regarding mishandling money intended for Ethiopia. In the article, he identifies himself as a former employee of the charity, and he is a retired U.S. Army Corps engineer who served the agency in Africa and Haiti. So Peter Stroke Sr. worked in Haiti with a charity. Sounds eerily familiar. Can we guess what charities partnered up to help Haiti? The Clinton Foundation partnered with the Catholic Relief Services, and they seemed to work in tangent. Coincidence? Peter Stroke was actually the director, the senior, was actually the director of the Catholic Relief Services in Haiti. If we look into the CRS financials, they seem to overlap and feed into the Clinton Global Initiatives and the balance sheets. So Peter Stroke has ties to Iran. Lisa Page. Her mom comes from Iran. She's the one who said it was smart and strategic uh, for Iran to do what they're doing. The disgraced former FBI attorney Lisa Page triggered backlash on social media again this Friday, offering her opinion about Donald Trump's elimination of the top Iranian general, terrorist mastermind Qasem Soleimani. Soleimani. While she praised Soleimani's removal, tweeting good riddance, she then went on to warn of the potential repercussions. She wasn't alone in this regard. Other liberal Democrats have posted or uh, posited similar concerns about the political consequences of the drone strike that killed the Iranian general earlier this week. However, in articulating her concerns, Page portrayed Iran in a disturbingly positive light, describing it as smart and strategic, a country with 5,000-year-old culture. She also claimed Iran isn't an irrational actor. But to be fair, Page's mother, Tamara Najarin, is a naturalized citizen who was also someone who immigrated from Iran in the 1970s. Thus, Page appears to feel a familiar bond with sorts of the rogue regime, and it would appear its government. The problem is that while the Iranian people themselves appear to be rational, as evidenced by their growing protest against their own corrupt government, the officials in power actually are responsible for the nation's actions abroad and have a different take. So how about this from Red State? Former CIA Director John Brennan sends bizarre tweet on Iran from deep inside the echo chamber. Watching the echo chamber of former Obama officials, purchased experts, and rented journalists line up to insist that the United States do nothing to aid the demonstrators in Iran has a 10-car pileup on the expressway quality. On the one hand, you're horrified at what you're looking at, but, at, but that it's combined with this fascination that keeps your eyes glued to the scene. For instance, organizers of the Women's March have been strangely silent. They've gone from attacking the pale, pathetic, milquetoast imaginary patriarchy in the United States to running like scald dogs from the chance to attack a hairy wife-beater wearing patriarchy in Iran. Linda, the hijab is liberating Sarsour has vanished. One of the more surreal comments comes from former CIA director and resistance godfather, CIA director John Brennan. This is his tweet. 
With wholesale condemnation of Iran and nuclear deal over the past, the Trump administration squandered the opportunity to bolster reformists in Tehran and prospects for peaceful political reform in Iran. Bolster is nearly a strategy, is neither a strategy nor a mechanism for exercise of U.S. power and influence. So, you know, the intelligence community, the Obama administration, they wanted something with Iran. I can't figure it out. The only thing I can think of is if you wanted a global government of some sort, most likely run by the the U.N., the United Nations, to which Iran is on the Security Council and Iran is on the Women's Rights Council. I would think this is a way to do one of two things. You bolster Iran by giving them nuclear capabilities, giving them power in the Middle East. You also allow them to create a soft caliphate by having somebody like Maliki put into power in Iraq, who's a Shia-led or Shia-affiliated individual, which basically takes Iran and stretches their reach into Iraq. And then you minimize or eliminate Assad in Syria and allow Iran to grow into Syria, you've essentially done what ISIS did, but in the opposite direction. So you're building a caliphate in the middle, middle East run by Israel that can pressure, uh, run by Iran that can pressure Israel. Because at that point, with the Quds forces in Pakistan and Lebanon, Iran has control everywhere at that point. And then you minimize the American economy under the Obama administration, and you set yourself up for something like the EU. What they weren't expecting was a Trump presidency. What they weren't expecting was a Boris Johnson win and a Brexit vote. What they weren't expecting was Brazil and Hungary to fight back, Macedonia to kick out George Soros. What they weren't expecting are all these other factors that are natural backlash reactions to what they were trying to do. And the only thing I can think of is the Obama administration was pushing for the Iran deal to set the stage to give Iran control of the Middle East, to pressure Israel, to also, on the domestic front, minimize the American economy and set ourselves up legislatively to contort ourselves, climate change, gun control, down the line, to be able to convert our sovereignty with open borders on on the uh, southern border into a global government. And this is all thwarted by things that have happened across the globe, most notably the Trump administration. And so to reset everything that they want to do coming up down the road, they have to eliminate Trump to do that. You either impeach him and get him thrown out by the deep state and by the, you know, by Congress, you either get him to look like a warmonger in front of the public by baiting him into an attack with Iran. You basically neuter his presidency. And as soon as you can get somebody like what they would have gotten with Hillary Clinton, like what they could get with a Bernie Sanders or an Elizabeth Warren, you then can reset the path that you were on and move yourself into the next phase of the global union. It's the only thing that makes sense in this entire situation. So tune in to the full-length show this Saturday. We get into Kasim Soleimani, how evil he is, and we also get into some other things that we glossed over at the end of the year. The movement ahead of Virginia and the Virginia uh, gun grab of the Democratic 
you know, government control of the state of Virginia and the, the municipalities that are pushing back. We get into all that on the full-length podcast coming up this weekend. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning into the show. Listen to us on Mojo Five O Radio. You can find that on iHeartRadio or go to Mojo50.com every Wednesday, 10 p.m. Also, get the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, iHeart, Overcast, wherever podcasts are hosted. And be sure to give us a review. Give us a good five-star review that's going to help us go up in the ratings so we're more visible to others. You can also donate to the show. Go to patreon.com slash Adrian Slade Show. Give $2 a month or go to anchor.fm and search Adrian Slade. You can also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Gab, MeWe, Parlor, Convo, Snippy. Search Adrian Slade. Follow us on Twitter at Rants Out Loud or at Adrian Slade Show, which is the official show page on Twitter. And you can also read the blog, adriansladeshow.com. You can also get the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel in your streaming store on the Roku streaming channel store. Be sure to download the Adrian Slade Show Roku channel. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for tuning in.